right, we're back at the old folks' hospital, and uh, we're back again for another visit with uh, one Philip Rivera, who's uh, 118 years old, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about um, some of the tapes he recorded back in, I think it was like 2020 or something. But uh, at any rate, he's going he's gonna to talk about that, so let's go ahead and uh, see what he has to say. So tell us a little bit about, uh, we, we, we've heard about your junior high, but let's... Let's hear about what your high school experience was like. Well, first, first, let me just correct you here. You called it an old people's hospital. It's it's actually a retirement community, as we like to call it, and as most of us are retired. Uh, and then, uh, yes, these were taped back in the 2020, and we had a lot of time on our hands back then because of the old COVID virus. And uh, so not much we could do. So I decided I was going to make some tapes of our times in high school. Yeah, so this was uh, back in 19, when it was 70 one through 75 when we had left the confines of our junior high and started the big big school up on the hill big school on the hill which as i remember was right across the street from your house yeah that was very convenient so we we lived on a farm and so just going to school was easy just to uh get up and walk across the street wow and of course when I started as a freshman. I got into the track, and um, when you're in in a sport like that, they would have a period PE. Oh, so yeah. you would go early, do your PE class, and right. that way you could get out around two or three o'clock for track meets. Right. In all your classes, so you basically started an hour earlier than everybody else. Yeah, they tried to sell it to you that you get out an hour early so you could start your sport, but. Uh, you really didn't gain anything from that. No, no. There was <laughs> up early, missed out on breakfast, and then you had to stay there. Yeah. But but for me, I would get up and go straight over there, do... And the problem with A period for me, it was unorganized because the very first year I was in it, it was it was more of like, okay, in the, in the summer, in the springtime, we're going to play baseball. In the fall, we're going to play football. We're going to play basketball in the winter. We had different things to do. And I look forward to doing those different sports because I like to do them all. But in A-period PE, there was no structure. They threw a basketball out. You either played basketball or you could do some other type of workout. Now, weightlifting and stuff is something I could have done, but I don't think they even there wasn't much in the way of weightlifting, as I recall. Maybe the, maybe the football players were doing it, and that wasn't something that a track guy needed to do. But basketball is all I remember ever, ever doing in A-period PE. Right, right. And uh, yeah, we went to a school where the, probably the average height was about six foot five. So <laughs> you and I never did a whole lot on the basketball no, no, Not too much excelling. I remember in my very first class, um, Bob McKillop was one, of the, was one of the teachers in the PE class. And he looks at my name and he goes, Vander, Vander, Vander Hayden? We're just going to call you Van. Oh, that's where that came from. That's where it came from. Yeah. 
And so uh, that was a nickname yeah. that not too many people used. Occasionally people use it, but... Um, and? Yeah. I thought everybody used it. Oh, some people used it. Man. Well, what ultimately happened van. was... Van. Hey, Van. Oh, Van. What, what, what ultimately happened was is that as a photographer on the newspaper staff, they decided to shorten my byline on all the photographs and put photo by Van. So right, right. it was just a little bit easier and that yeah. kind of got a little more, a little more exposure that way. But I didn't really like girls calling me Van. That was, well, you didn't. no, I, I didn't like that. I would have preferred Terry, which is what ultimately oh, happened, but yeah. it just seemed so impersonal to call me Van. So impersonal, almost hurtful. <laughs> so, you know, you remember, uh, when I came into ju- to, from junior high into high school, I had one friend, uh, Manuel. Right. And uh, Manuel Del Rio. And uh, he and I didn't realize that when you go out for freshman football, you have to work out all summer long with the team and learn all the plays. Nobody told us that. On your summer off, essentially. Right. Yeah. So I came first day of school and ran into Manuel and said, hey, let's go, let's go sign up for football. Freshman football. So, of course, the whole team had been practicing and learning all the, all the plays all summer long. So we, here we are, day one. And the coach says, well, you know, where the hell you been for the last three months? We didn't know. He says, well, we'll see what we can find you, but we don't have much here. So we ended up with the biggest set of pads. Mm. And, uh, you know, and I was probably all of 110 pounds. Right. And so, um, nothing fit. The helmet was too big. The pads were too big. And, uh, they only had two jerseys and they both had the same number on it. <laughs> number 72. <laughs> so for, for that whole year, the coaches got me mixed up with Del Rio. Of they course. just, they just, it was, it was just Del Rio, get in there. And then he and I both run out and then they go, no, the other Del Rio. Now, were you pretty much the same level of play? Oh, or yeah. was, we were both okay. the shits. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, had this been four or five years later when Jack Del Rio was at the school. It would have been a good little. It uh, would have been a good Del Rio. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we were both we were both the lame ones. And um, yeah, so, you know, you were, you were Van your freshman year. I was Del Rio. <laughs> or Manuel. <laughs> Took me a while to shake that. Now, how was football practice? Uh, football games. I mean, did you play, or was it one of those deals where you played in the fifth quarter that they would have? They'd play a whole game. Game was over. Then they'd have another quarter just for the for the low, rubes for, who didn't get in. Exactly. That was that was when I I went out there and and really took it seriously because you know that was my time to shine. Although they didn't even count the score. Oh. And uh, the only people that were playing were all the bench warmers. Right. So they made the other part, the other rest of the team, the real team, stay out there and cheer us on, which they did really begrudgingly. I bet. Yeah. Half-heartedly. Yeah. They had already taken off their shoes and were drinking Gatorade and slapping each other five for the, about the real game while I was out there, you know, really so, trying my hardest. Trying your hardest. Now, were, was anybody ever elevated from that group up to regular football or... Is that is it kind of like where everybody started, or no, not not where everybody started. I think it was just where the leftovers went. Yeah, yeah, that really they had no hope for. And what position did you play? Well, now that's another problem because 
I didn't know the positions either. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I knew that I wanted to tackle somebody. Mm-hmm. So when they ask what position you want to play, I said, tackle. <laughs> and I knew that was a position, and it only made sense that it would be somebody who tackles somebody. But sure. Wouldn't you know it? Uh, that's where the biggest guys are on the offensive line, and which is right where I ended up, all 110 pounds of me. So I was, yeah, I was pretty thumped up. And uh, didn't have a, didn't didn't have a really good season at all. And so your job was to block the defenders coming in. Correct. Did they flip you on the other side when it was defense? Did you play like linebacker or something? I did get to play, play fifth quarter linebacker. Yeah, I was I was one of the better ones out there in fifth quarter linebacker. Did you ever get any tackles? Uh, I did get one, but the uh, whistle had already been blown and I got a penalty for piling on <laughs> and my dad bless him got it all on film oh no way you start with me click clacking as I ran across the field in my extra large pads right and then the bobblehead from the big the big helmet yeah so that's how the the video starts and then you hear the whistle clearly I don't know why I didn't hear it and then you see me flying through the air and then bang yeah, then another whistle on a flag. 15 yards. Luckily, the coach said, you know, Del Rio, get out of there. So <laughs> that was the only time it worked to my benefit. Oh, man. Yeah. One, one year of freshman football, that was it. That was it. Yeah. Then you moved on to wrestling because that's what you ultimately did. For- I made a second go of wrestling, and then and then uh, from my poor experience in, in junior high, I made, made a high school career out of it. So – one of the things that re- I remember about wrestling and a couple of my friends, including you, that were wrestlers, there was always this big deal about making weight. Right. So what was that experience like? What, what, what went on with that? And what was the whole concept? What yeah. It- um, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like boxing where you, you have to fit into a weight class. And typically the coaches want to see you go down to the weight class a little bit lower. I guess in their mind is all these 16, 17 year old kids must have a lot of extra weight, which we didn't. And that you can cut five or six pounds and then make the, the lower weight class and you'd be a bigger advantage. Tougher. Yeah. yeah. Which, um, doesn't always work that way. You end up, you're lean as can be after coming off of, uh, um, cross country. Mm-hmm. And then the coach wants you to lose another five pounds and you're right in that part of the year where you have Christmas, Thanksgiving, all the holidays. Mm-hmm. And while everybody else is enjoying their their big feasts, you're eating, you know, like maybe a little hard chip of carrot. Yeah. It's just it was a it was a rough three years of, of dieting, but um Now was there ever a time where you said, Look, I'm hundred and forty five pounds, that's what I'm gonna wrestle? No. So it was, I'm 145 pounds, but I need to get in the 126 weight class. Right. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, it was, it was, it, you know, f- coming up and during the summer, you'd bulk back up and then you, then we'd do cross country, which was really, I wasn't much of a runner, long distance runner, but it helped to start losing the weight. And it also helped in your endurance. Yeah. Which wrestling does require a lot of a endurance. A lot of endurance, lot, yeah, a lot of that. But yeah, so we, uh, you know, it, which was nice is that you could kind of compete on your own terms because you were equal, more or less equal, mm-hmm. where I couldn't do that in football. Right. Yeah, so uh, it was a good uh, a good uh, 
Good sport so, for us. So the weight class that you were in, because I remember you did some tournaments, and it turned out that the weight class you were in, at least in our league, there was a, there was a guy who was like state champion or something that was right. in your weight class in our league. Yep. So basically, if you ever went to a tournament and you faced this guy, you were pretty pretty well hosed. Yeah, he was uh, he was pretty good. He went on to to wrestle um, at uh, Cal Berkeley. Oh shit. Yeah, but he's. Uh, yeah, he it, he was a nice guy too, but he was just really a uh, tough competitor. So much better than everybody else. Really good guy. Yeah. And did you face him in tournaments ever? Uh, tournaments, and then if we ever played their school, he went to Tennyson, and we we, mm-hmm. uh, we wrestled their school, and um, you know I'd I'd hang in there for a while, but he he'd always come up with some slick move, and then I'd find myself on my back. And wrestling's not one of those things where there's a lucky bounce or. There's not a, there's not a ton of luck involved in the hopes that you, know, you get two people that are they're supposedly matched by weight, right? Maybe different skill level, but it's not like some guy's gonna upset somebody good by something weird that happens, right? No, that's true. I mean, usually it's pretty predictable. I mean, there's always you know somebody may have a good you know good move that they pull out of their pocket and, and use it. You know, I had uh, I had one case where we were going to be I was going to be wrestling a guy from Sunset that was evenly matched, so mm-hmm. it could have gone either way, the two of us. Um, and his cousin was in our school, um, Shirley, and she was kind of excited. She says, "I heard you're going to be wrestling my cousin John." Mm-hmm. I said, "Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a close match because we're we're both pretty." So you knew in advance who you were going to wrestle? In, yeah, in, on the dual meets because we all we we we'd all we all knew each other from our our uh, from our weight classes, right around the league, and uh, a lot of them we'd, we'd wrestled before. So uh, so we went over to Sunset, and uh, I was gonna I was gonna wrestle this guy, and they had uh, the tape had come off on the mat. So some, sometimes some of the schools had instead of one big mat. They would have two or three mats that they would tape together. Mm-hmm. So the tape didn't hold as he and I both kind of came at each other and kind of grappling each other, tying up. The tape slips, it pulls apart, and he's, it pulls his feet out from under him. And he goes straight down <laughs> and didn't have the pad underneath him, and Ooh. he is, hit his nose square onto the hard wood floor. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And uh, uh, broke his nose. Oh, my goodness. And... I, ju- I was just standing there, you know, just shocked. And so um, they called the match, and that was that, you know. And so, uh, did you get the win? Uh, yeah, probably. You know, to, you know, by some sort of default, default thing. But I, fe- I was felt really bad for the guy because he was, he and I kind of knew each other, and we'd wrestled before, and it was gonna, we we're both keyed up. It was gonna be a good match. But uh, I had to go to school the next day, and Shirley asked me, "What, what did you do to my cousin?" You know. Thought we were friends. He broke his nose. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I, no, I didn't. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. That was a kind of a. It couldn't have been the real tough guy that that was a state champion that who broke his yeah, nose. Yeah, no, that would have been. Yeah, that would have been too <laughs> too much luck. But. I know in the track meets I went to when I was a senior. I forget how I came upon this idea. Uh, it was I actually I think it was my dad was kind of thinking it was a good idea because in track as you know you especially in your in field events 
you sit around a lot. Right. And in my case, in the pole vault, I was pole vaulting around 11 feet or so. So I wouldn't even start till the bar got to 10 feet. And, you know, people are starting at seven feet. So it's seven feet, seven, six, seven, nine, all the way up until it got to 10 feet. And you could start anywhere you wanted to. I could have conceivably started at 11 and do one jump and win or whatever it was. So since I sat around so much, I decided to take a lawn chair with me to sit, sit in rather than sitting on the cold ground, which track was in springtime. So I guess theoretically the ground could be kind of cold, but I don't know why, but anyway, so I got known for bringing around a, a lawn chair with me that I could sit in. So on the buses, when we traveled, now that was before I was able to drive because when I drove, I brought my own pole, which was strapped onto my car and, uh, and my own lawn chair to the events. And I'd sit down in my lawn chair and nobody ever told you, you can't do that. No, 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 no. Everybody, nobody, it didn't catch on either though. So nobody else did it as well. It was just your thing. It was just my thing. And so I noticed, uh, coach Murphy had a little chart and, um, a clipboard and he would, he noticed you sitting over there and he would check that off. There was like a little demerit list. I think he was keeping. And then I, I think the time that you were supposed to run the hurdles and then you, you hit out over there, I think he checked that box too. Coach, so did that have any, did that have any Ill, Ill effects, long-term effects? Coach Murphy totally screwed me. No so, kidding. So here I am on varsity in my junior year and I'm behind the guy who's a senior who's Tim, Tim, Tim Comfort, right. who was the best in the league right. in, in our school. Which was great because I did learn from him, but the downside was is I was never going to take first place on a given week unless he didn't show up. Right. There was a ch- there was no chance. So as a junior, I'm on varsity and I'm taking second, 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 third, second. That, that was typically what I did, and um, got a bunch of points for the team because there was a team score and we won events and. You know, so it was a whole, I spent freshman, sophomore years in, on the frosh team, if you will. And then I got elevated to varsity. So I was playing against the best of the best in our league. So when it comes around after track season, I went up to, I had to go find Mr. Murphy, who was the track coach. And most of the track coaches, including him and Gary Clark, most of the track coaches I had throughout the my four-year career didn't really give a darn care about track. They were on to something else, and they just did it to get their extra income. But uh, And there were some stars. There were some sprinters that were stars of our, of our school. It wasn't pole vaulters, that's no. for sure. So this guy, I finally tracked him down, and I said, hey, just wanted to get my, my block because I wanted to go get a block jacket have the block, the big H, sewn into the jacket. Well, so I, clearly you earned it. You were oh on yeah. varsity. You're the whole year. Junior year. Yeah. I wasn't even on it. It wasn't for, even a question. It wasn't a question. So Coach Murphy looks at his paperwork and says, hmm, no, you're not getting your block this year. And I'm like, well, why not? No, excuse me? And he said, well, because you didn't take enough first place. I said, how does that matter? I was on the team the whole year. 
And, you know, that was a big deal for a high school kid to have his block jacket. Yeah. And he basically just blew me off, told me, sorry, maybe next year. So I had to wait till I was a senior, which I did get my block. I never got it sewn into a jacket because springtime ended my track career, well, if you could you have worn it the last week of school. Right, the last week of school. Yeah. So I never did get it, and I always held him responsible for why would he hold out on that for some junior in high school. So just going back now, do you think if you were uh, a sprinter who had uh, who had taken second all year because you were behind the top sprinter, but you were only a junior, but were, were a varsity sprinter all year, do you think you would have gotten your yeah. block? Yeah, I would think so because he, he had a little bit more of a – a uh, affinity, affinity yeah. for for the sprinters and the like, and maybe not so much for the pole vaulters. No, no, because there was never. Well, it's a technique sport, and not everybody gets that. Yeah, and there wasn't. There wasn't. There was no guidance. Yeah. There was every every day when I came into track, uh, beginning practice every day, on the wall, was a sign, and the sign would give you assignments as what you're going to do. So let's say you're a distance runner. Mm-hmm. They'll say, today you want to run three miles and then 45 wind sprints or whatever it was. Sprinters, we're going to work on your form getting out of the blocks and we're going to do 30-yard sprints, whatever. Everybody had full, clear assignments. When it came to pole vault, the same thing was written every day. Work on your form. That was that was your, that was exactly... All the coaching that I ever got from him, work on your farm. Farm was written. He never even came by to, to see what you were doing. So he had no idea what I was doing over there. In reality, I was practicing. I bought my own pole so I could practice on my own. Even on off times, I'd go up to the college and work on it. But, yes, yeah, so you could say I was a little bitter. Was. Yeah. So this is all oh, past. Yeah, and no, you're, you're fine with it now. I've gotten over it. Yeah, <laughs> no. If I, if I saw him in the street... Well, I I wouldn't bring it up. No. Well, how do you? How come you have that picture of him over there with all those darts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that was that that sucked. Yeah. Well, I have uh, I have this memory of my math teacher, um, Bellots. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his first name. Melvin. Okay. No, maybe that's Melvin Belli. That's guy's an attorney. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Melvin Bellot. Okay, let's anyway, give it to him. Yeah, we'll give it to him. So he uh, he was uh, probably a nice guy. Uh, I didn't really see it at the time because I wasn't very good in math. And my dad was a teacher who taught math. Mm-hmm. So it was like an extra kind of a kick in the gut for me when I'd bring home poor grades. Oh, yeah, poor grades. Well, you think from your dad's standpoint— yeah. That that reflects poorly on him. Yeah. Well, it did. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, it was a kind of a rough class because it was pre- pretty much the remediation math. There wasn't anything mm-hmm. anything too too difficult, but still for me it was. So I went into my class and somebody had made pornographic drawings in pencil all over my desk. And they were actually uh, very detailed. Was it the same guy from junior high that smeared the human manure on the mirrors? <laughs> This was probably, well, I hadn't, I didn't see his artwork there, but this was, this was some pretty tremendous artwork. But, um, you know, I nudged a couple of people sitting next to me and showed them, pointed to it and, you know, they got a good laugh and 
And then, uh, so Bellots came over and took a look at it and then, um, was convinced that I was the one that drew it. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, I told him, no, that, that it was on here when it came into the class. So the person you want is the one who was in this seat last period. Mm -hmm. And, um, he didn't buy it and, uh, called my home and called my dad down for a meeting. No. Yeah. And, uh, did they all surround the desk and look at it? I think he had clean, he had had him clean it off by then. It was pretty, it was pretty vulgar. And I think if there was anybody in the class that was offended, yeah. he would have been, would have been hard for him to justify keeping it on there. But, uh, yeah. So, but, uh, I, my dad was, was pretty amazing as pissed off as he was. And as, as much as he knew that I was a shitty mathematician, he told Bellots, he said, did you ask him if he did it? And he said, Bellots said, yeah, well, of course he said no. And my dad said, well, my son is a lot of different things, but he's not a liar. And he told me he didn't do it. He told you he didn't do it. I'm telling you right now, he didn't do it. So he kind of, kind of stuck up, stuck up for me. That's in, pretty good. In the, he was in my corner and, uh, I remember the next day in school, I'll never forget it, because I'd never heard this term before, and he just, Bellots looks at me, and he kind of grimaces, and he goes, <laughs> you're the apple of your dad's eye. <laughs> what a burn. Yeah, and I was kind of, <laughs> apple of his eye, what, what does that really mean? And so then when I went and found out, it was a good thing. I was thinking, oh, wow, you know, how could I be, how could I be the apple of my dad's eye when I'm so poor at math? But I guess, yeah, well, I'll take it. Yeah, he was uh, he was supporting you. Yeah, he did it. Yeah. So then we got, when we really all started hanging out, that was around our junior year. In fact, it was like that spring break, our junior year. Yep. You, me, Matt, and Mike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was kind of funny because you and Matt knew each other through the youth group at that's right all saints yeah our our uh our our youth counselor was nels gonzalez right right yeah. i remember him well and then uh mike and matt went to school together over at strobridge so mm -hmm. they knew each other already i knew matt mike from cross country i knew matt from wrestling right and then you knew me from junior high. Yeah, and so we, so it's funny how we never really all linked up, mm -mm. even though we all kind of knew each other in a different way. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then that, that part of our junior year, we just all became the Blies. fast friends. Yeah. Wasn't that what it was? The, the Blies. Blies. The Blies. Yeah. And we were, uh, we were kind of known around school after that as being a, a kind of a foursome. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And that kind of, I think that's part of why, you know, most people, not most, but there are people that don't have any interest in going back to their class reunion because of either because it brings back memories of maybe not being popular or not that we were popular, but I always felt like we could intersect into any group and chat for a little bit and take off and yeah. we were never, we were lucky in the sense that we were never shunned in any portion never never any of those parts you know we were able to yeah. do that so that part was good yep so consequently we went to many reunions and um you know we've always enjoyed them until the last one i think the wives finally said just go on your own you don't need us yeah 
We've heard all these stories enough times. <laughs> but they'll be riveted by listening to this podcast, I'm sure. Who wouldn't? Who yeah. wouldn't be? Exactly. Yeah. Riveted. They'd have to be riveted in their seats to stay there. <laughs> now, I, uh, I remember um, people were so used to seeing you and I together. And after high school, when I met my wife... I took her back to a group, a little get together at somebody's house. Mm -hmm. And I told her, you know, actually I, I was pretty, pretty much the, everybody knew me in, in high school. So I was really kind of playing that, that angle up. A little right. bit. Well, you know, I wanted to impress her. And, uh, so as soon as we walked into the party, one of the guys comes over and he sees me and he goes, van. <laughs> like, okay. That's the other guy. That's, you know, that isn't me. That's a pole vaulter. Oh, my God. That's a guy that didn't have his block jacket. <laughs> Van. Of course, she looks at me like, oh, you're real popular, huh? She ever call you Van just for the fun of it? No, she she's knows better than that. Yeah. So, come on, let's hear it. What other stories? Well, let's see. Well, I do remember that uh we used to do we used to do a fair amount of hanging out at the local mall yeah and um so a typical afternoon would be just go to the mall hang out and then go home so that was kind of a place where i remember one time we were now in the 70s this thing of streaking was obviously a real uh popular fad if you will and streaking at the time was taking off all your clothes and running through a public place. Right. And you could be shopping in the grocery store and a naked man could run by and you know, he went streaking in the store. And that was popular, what would you say, a few months at least? Yeah, it was kind of in and out pretty quick. But I, yeah, I do remember there was a lot of yeah. notoriety about it. And they had, um, we were in the mall once and... We heard some flip-flop, 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 flip-flop. And it was bare feet slapping the mall floor. And we look. And was it, refresh my memory, was there were like two women? Two women. Yeah. And yeah. there was flip-flop, flip-flop. Flip-flop, flip-flop. Did they have masks on? It kind of it kind of seems like they did. Some sort of something yeah, over their head. Yeah, kind of like those little uh, feathery masks that they wear at the Mardi Gras. <laughs> That was the only, that was the only thing I remembered. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I I don't think you and I had much to to spend back then. No. So I mean, you probably more than me because you always had that job at the yeah. I always had store. some kind of job going. But um, you know, I I remember we'd go by that uh, Woolworths where they had that uh, heated little area behind the glass, and they had a like a little couple slices of moldy cheese pizza and oh, yeah. ne next to it they had like a couple of chicken legs mm -hmm. and e e you could buy either one for probably like a quarter right and uh, so that was a lot of times that would be my my big treat yeah and you, you know who knows how long that cheese pizza sat Ugh, there that's nasty yeah and uh but i i always always look forward to that well and that's that was what we spent our money on was right. food right, right you right. know food. You know, that was, 
And I was driving, so I had a car that I had bought with my own money because I worked at a grocery store. So I, I made more than most of my peers at the time. Yeah. Union job, so to speak. Yeah. So before that, you would drive the Rambler. Right, before that. And then Ron and I shared it. Okay. And because we shared it, that's what motivated me to get my own car. Right. Because I didn't want to have to. There was always, oh, hey, I'm going out with Phil and Mike. I'm, I'm going to need the car. And then Ron would say, oh, I'm going to swim practice. So then that my, yeah, yeah. That takes, takes my, my parents would say, oh, nope, we're going to christen Ron with the car because he's doing something that's helping his. Productive. Little, exactly. little did they know that by hanging out with me, how productive that much really more productive. Been. Absolutely. So, now did you learn to drive in the Rambler? Like your dad probably took you out. Yeah, he tooling around a little bit. Uh, mostly was in a in a station wagon where we did most of our work. Okay. I remember once I was uh, uh, when I was learning to drive, um, I had gotten my permit. And a permit, of course, is the time where you can drive as long as you have the, an adult in the passenger seat. And I told my dad that um, I was going to back around the car and get it ready for, for us to go to the store. He goes, sure. And he tosses me the keys, and I we had this little three-way driveway, so I backed it down next to this large willow pepper tree and then turned it around and backed it up again, and all of a sudden... And I just scraped the living shit out of the side of the station wagon. <laughs> the molding came off. I tried to put it back on. It wouldn't go back the on. little wood trim. Wood trim. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm screwed. Yeah. And what do you do when you're screwed? You just be honest. My dad will understand. He'll, I'll just be honest to him and say that I... He'll respect me for it. Because I was kind of thinking, there was a part in my head that said, you know, let's go to the store. And then when we come out of the store, I can say, oh! Look what somebody did right. in the parking lot. Somebody hit and ran. Yeah, we yeah. were going to the store, so yeah. I could have really pulled that off. But I said, no, no, I'm going to be honest Do because the right thing. honesty is the best policy. So I how'd that work out? Yeah, well, I walked inside and I said, uh, "Hey, Dad, I need to come show you something." Bring him out, and I said, "Look, I was backing the car up around the the tree, and I accidentally scraped it." He looks at it, takes the takes the molding in his hands, throws it down on the ground, and says, "You're never driving again." And walks inside. So that was pretty much my honesty is your best policy result wow. on that. Yeah. Now, did, he, he did eventually let you drive once you were. Oh, yeah. And wasn't there, didn't you come to a stop sign one time? And Well, that was when I was buying a car. Oh. Yeah, because I was going to buy a car. This is before my very first car, which was a Honda. Right. Uh, before that, I had in my head that I wanted to buy a Gremlin. Hmm which was a very odd-shaped AMC car. Right. And I found one for sale in Fremont. So I took my dad with me, and I said, let's go check out this car. In case I buy it, I have to have somebody else drive drive the family car home. So we go out this during the day, go up to the guy and say, yeah, I'm here to, you know, I was probably, I must have been about 16 or 17 at the time, going to pay for it with my own money. And... Um, took the guy's car and said, well, let's go take it for a test drive. So I'm driving. My dad's in the passenger seat. And there I am driving down just a block or two away from the guy's house. And I get to, uh, I get to the stop sign, and I'm, it was a shift car. So I'm going through the shift, the little H, you know, up is first and down is 
figuring all that out. And I look in the rearview mirror and I see this guy driving a big sedan, look just singing to his heart's content. And singing to the point where he was shutting his eyes while he sang. Oh, it's oh, yeah. He's a crooner, yeah. He oh, was yeah, he was it. just going yeah. for it. I'm thinking, wow, that guy doesn't look like he's even looking. It doesn't look yeah. like he's even going to. I'm here stopped at a stop sign. And it still looks like he's going to. Then wham! And he just rams into the back of us, pushes us all the way in the middle of the intersection. My dad turns to me and says, what'd you stop for? Okay. And I said, well, there there was a stop sign. It's now 10 feet yeah. behind us. So I get out and the guy's like, you know, oh yeah, I'm sorry, blah, 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 and whatever. And I'm like, this isn't even my car. I got to go yeah. back. And, what do I do? I got to go back and get the, get the owner, right? Is it, is it like the store where now I got to buy it? Yeah. No, I, I, I knew that, uh, no, this is a bad luck car. I yeah, ain't getting bad this. luck. So I run back to this guy's car, to this guy's house, which was now about three or four blocks away. I figure I got a haul. So I'm running back there. Oh, you actually left the car and ran back? Left the car with my dad. Okay. Ran back there. And I run back to the guy's car, to the guy's house, and he's outside watering his lawn. And he sees the kid run up, who he just let go his car to go test drive. Bad sign. Bad sign. He's like, <sighs> he turns off the water. What's wrong? And I I had run four blocks, so I, could, I couldn't <laughs> speak. So, uh, well, I, I just... Stop. At the next stop, stop sign. sign, yeah, and I finally got it out that his car was wrecked and singing, <laughs> knocked three times on the ceiling, <laughs> hit, hit, bat. father, yell, yell at me, father, accuse me first. Um, so I brought him back to the scene of the crime, and me and my dad left. Said, "Well, we're not. You guys deal. We're with not going to buy this car. It's got yeah. a big dent in the back." So. Uh. Forget it. So that's how you came up with the Honda. Yeah, ultimately found the Honda. I don't remember exactly how I came across well, that. Well, that Honda car probably had like a lawnmower engine. Uh, it wasn't even a lawnmower engine. Yeah, it was okay. It was like a mini bike engine. Yeah, okay. Mini bike engine and says it seated four, but they would have to be starving people with, you know. Yeah, but I'll, I'll say that we actually sat four in we it. We did. We, we yeah. managed to squeeze four into there. Of course, I was always in the front because of my... Claustrophobia, claustrophobia issues. issues. Yeah. yeah. So when you say you used to carry your pole, mm -hmm. that's how big, that's a 12 foot pole, right? 12 or 13 feet. Yeah. Okay. And that car had to be all at four feet. Yeah. It wasn't very long. And so this pole must have dwarfed it. Well, not you, to mention weighted it down quite a bit. Yeah. It made me go around right hand turns a lot, a little <laughs> tippy. Uh, but they actually, uh, you know, today you're supposed to put like a little red flag on the end if you're sticking out. Well, I was sticking out four or five feet in front of the car yeah. and four or five feet behind the car. And it was all strapped to my mirror that was on the right side. So, Well, just so you know, that law was in effect back then too. <laughs> it isn't something new they just came up with. They came up with this new, you know, <laughs> yeah, this new yeah. law. No, that I yeah. didn't have any red flags on at all. I just yeah. cruised along with these big old rods sticking out. And so now just... I, you drove that car for a long time. I did. And I kind of remember that it had its own series of unlucky con uh, situations. There, there were a couple. There were some incidents with that car, no doubt. Yeah, that was... Uh, I mean, I remember, I remember you had a guy fill up the tank one time. We were about ready to take off on a trip. 
Yeah, and so that was in the days when the gas station attendant would come out and fill your tank oh, up. Oh, the good old days, yeah. Yeah, it's just for perspective, the good old days was a fill-up was $2 and about 30 cents for that car. Right, so you'd get your buddies to pool a little bit of money yeah, in. And 50 cents here and there. Um, and Okay, fill her up. Fill her up. Well, in this particular case, my my this was a newfangled device where you would your cover of your gas tank was was covered and the way it would work is you'd pull this little rod uh, when your door was open and it would pop open the hatch and then you would fill it up and a little security you, a little security measure yeah and so when you put it back you'd pull the rod and then push the lid back in and then push the rod back in it would lock right. it so like you say here we are going on a trip and some guy fills it up and instead of allowing me the second it takes to pull the rod so I can get the hatch back, he just slams it, thus breaking the rod. Mm. So from then on, and it was not anything I could replace, from then on, that thing flapped everywhere I went. Just stood straight open so and the you, wind had just pushed. <laughs> yeah. Very nice little yeah. addition to your... Yeah, that was brutal. Well, and didn't didn't it, didn't the hood come open once? Yeah, so kind of inopportune time, if I remember. Yeah, that. so so what what I was doing is I was um, washing it, right? Getting it all nice. I was and clean. getting it all nice and clean because uh, I was going out on a date, mm -hmm. and my idea was is to have a nice clean car, and I was also checking the oil and making sure doing all the typical maintenance things. Is God forbid you don't want to have a breakdown when you're when you're driving, well, and you want to show up to your date looking your best yeah absolutely so um i was cleaning it and then got all dressed up cleaned myself got all dressed up to go on my date and um got in the car and drove down the street i was living in south hayward at the time and driving down tennyson little wind gust came and i didn't latch the hood like oh, i should have after you did all the checking all the checking yeah. and stuff no the hood didn't get latched so blew up in my face and smashed put a big old so the whole hood came off whole hood came up smashed into the into the windshield left a big old crack across oh well several cracks across the windshield oh. and there i'm on my way to my date right and there wasn't any cell phones in those days that you could call and say hey i'm gonna be late i just had a yeah a self-imposed accident so i got some twine that i had and i tied the front front down the wind it was all crinkled and bent. all crinkled yeah it was uh, the the windshield was all. I mean, you the driver's side could see through it, but the the passenger couldn't see through it. That's how bad the windshield was. So then, you, then you have your little fluttering gas cap cover. <laughs> fluttering so, gas cap. So you, <laughs> you must have made a really good impression. Well, and the other thing was, this was a little two cylinder car, and uh, my date happened to live up in the Hayward Hills, and this is the type of place where I usually would take a day or two to get there as opposed to just driving up in the evening because the car would overheat going up that that you know I'd take my time I didn't have any time now I had to go straight up so as I went up and I and I was this is this is the God's honest truth I'm taking her from her house out to my car to go to dinner and the car smelled like it was on fire because it was on fire in internally because it just went up a steep hill for I don't know how long the hood is all jacked up, and the windshield's all broken. I mean, I just look like and the gas cap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just look like just the total pos. Yeah, it was only one date. That's so, great, though. That's yeah. great. First, oh. first, first impressions are everything. Oh. <laughs> oh, I love that one. And what did you drive? Well, 
at first I drove my mom's car. Which was? Which was a Ford Falcon. Oh, yeah, 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 Ford Falcon. And then as that started to fall apart, um, my dad offered to sell it to me. Oh, that's so, nice of him. Yeah. So <laughs> I so I bought it, and um, he gave me a pretty good deal. And then um, the transmission was going out. So if you just put on the brakes and came to a complete stop, it would die. Oh. So what I had to do was, and even though it was not an automatic, I mean, it was not manual shift, it was an automatic. I would still have to put it into neutral as I was slowing down, coast, use the brake, and then feather the gas a little bit, give it right. a little gas. Oh. So, so I'd, ha- I'd have to drive with both feet, even sure. though there was no clutch. And then uh, keep the gas going so it didn't die, and then drop it into drive and then right. go again. So I got pretty good at doing that. And then uh, finally, after a while, I sold that and bought a little Volkswagen. Now, the Volkswagen, that yes. was a very popular car in the 60s. Right. And this is now mid seventies, I assume. Right. And as well, I re- late seventies, yeah, by then. As I recall, that car was a uh, uh, kind of loud. Yes, it had some muffler issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and where did you buy that? Did you buy that from a dealer or? No, 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 no. This was probably one of those first off the assembly line in the seventies, early early sixties, maybe. Uh. Yeah. So it was uh, it was well worn. Yeah. Um, and it was, had a muffler issue. Wasn't the mileage didn't, didn't flip over? Didn't it, it there was no uh, mileage on they, it or There was something? no way to tell. Yeah. yeah. It stuck in, at some, like the second 200,000 or something. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember, um, Mr. Schmidt. Oh yeah. Up on East Avenue. Mm-hmm. So I brought it in to get, uh, get the transmission done one time. Mm-hmm. And when I got it back, he had put the gearbox in backwards. Oh shit. So instead of first gear being, you know, to the you know up to the left there, it that was reverse, and then down at fourth gear was actually your reverse, or I mean was your first gear, right? First, second, third, fourth, and then reverse. So, um, and instead of taking it back to him and saying, "Hey, you screwed this thing up," you know, put it in right. You just reversed your thinking and, yeah. and drove with it. Just drove with it for the next two years. It backwards. <laughs> I mean, he was an adult and I was, you know, in my mind, I was still a kid, you know, mm-hmm. I, what am I going to do? Go tell him, Hey, yeah. you screwed this up. This is your livelihood. I was in the same boat with Sam's big and little on my, uh, that repaired my car. Sam's big and little. You that little you. Honda had a lot of repairs I had to do on that car. That would be the little. Yeah. 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 And then the next one you got was the big. Yes, I got the big, I got the van. A and, van and, for van. You know, in retrospect, when I bought that van, you know, tons of red flags, tons of red flags. And, of course, I took my dad again, which is great. Uh, that was that, that was my MO. I'd take my dad along on my car buying experiences. And that van was the last used car I ever bought. So can I just describe it? Because I spent a lot of time in that van. By all means, well. go ahead. So this van was kind of, I would say it was a um, gray poupon mustard colored. Mm-hmm. It had a little blue lightning bolt right. on the side. Yep. It was panel van, so there was no windows except for back in the back where it had a little curtain. Yep, had curtains. Had curtains. And when you opened it up, it had a red shag carpet. Shag. Tall shag carpet. Tall shag Everywhere. Carpet. And it was all the way up the sides and the, ce- the mm-hmm. ceiling. 
And uh, and w- was there something the guy told you that just kind of yeah. just <laughs> so so interior wise, he put in these decorative little sconce lights, which were red as well. Mm. And here I am looking at the car, and, and he goes, it sounds like a little rolling whorehouse. Well, in his mind, he said that's what it was because when he checked it out, he's like, okay check this out. And he whips on those lights in the back. He goes, when the girls see these lights, they go ape shit. And I'm thinking, I don't, I'm not sure I want women to go ape shit in my van. But as some of the red flags in that thing, first of all, the, the car didn't go in reverse. And that was part of the sale. You know, you're buying it as is. And he says, Hey, you know, you're just uh a little linkage. There's just a little linkage thing wrong that needs to be fixed. And all you, yeah, yeah. And all you have to do is, is uh, just go get it fixed. Right. So I'm a smart guy. I'm not going to, I'm not just going to buy something like that. Right. I told him, I said, look, I need to have my mechanic check this out before I put in the money to buy this car from you, van from you. Oh yeah, by all means. So I take it one morning down to Sam's Big and Little where the guy who's, you know, installed the hot tub in the back based on how much money he earned off my, my Honda, he looks at this thing and says, oh, fuck, this is great. This guy, this guy's bringing me another junker. So he says, oh, it's fine shape. It'd probably be about $200 to fix that linkage. I'm like, sweet. So I go up, pay the guy, bring it to him. So the car's yours, the van's yours. Van's mine. In fact, I always, whenever I, before I could get it to, the, to Sam's, I would park it on my folks' street, and so that that way, when I get in it, I could only go forward. So you just had to plan. Oh, yeah, you could never uh, back into something. You couldn't back in, and you couldn't back out of anything, so right. you got to make sure that you're facing forward. So maybe right. you stop down the street a little bit right. and walk the rest of the way home so that you could always drive forward. So I did that for a few days. Finally, Sam's opened up, brought the van in. He looked at it and said, oh, okay, great, no problem. So I'm thinking, he's already given me an estimate of 200 bucks. Yeah. It should be great. Get it done. So I get the call a little later that afternoon, might even been the next day. Yeah, we kind of came into some problems. It's like, huh? What? Well, when we opened it up, we found that the linkage connected to the drivetrain, and the drivetrain drains down a little bit, and it's going to have to need a bushing that you're going to have to put in there in order for us to get underneath the, the and it's like, okay, look. You're totally speaking Greek yeah, to me here. I have no line. idea what it right. is. And the bottom line was, well, it's going to be at least twelve hundred dollars. So, yeah. so now I've quite a bit exceeded what I wanted to spend on this thing. Wow. So twelve hundred dollars later, I go in and get the van, and he says, "Well, I fixed it so you can put it in reverse." He goes, "But I couldn't get the rear lights to 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 hook up." So there's no reverse lights unless you flip this switch right here. So I put in a little switch for you to switch the, put the rear lights in. That'll be an extra $60, by the way. And so now for me to put it in reverse, I could put it in reverse and I could go in reverse. But in order to do so, I had to flip the switch. So I'm like, whatever, at least I got my van. So it couldn't have been two days later. I'm driving down the boulevard and for whatever reason, as I went to shift, my hand hit the switch and flips on to backup lights. backup lights. And then the light changes and I just step on it. And I go forward as, as I thought, but my backup lights are on. A couple seconds later, I get pulled over by a CHP who happened to be behind me at the time and said, 
I was parked behind, I was standing behind you at the light, and then I saw that the that the backup lights came on, and then you just reared the engine, and I thought I was dead. He was on a motorcycle. He was on a motorcycle. Yeah, he thought he thought you were gonna back right over him. Back right over him, yep. So he didn't he didn't cite me. He just said, you know, shook his head when I told him about the stupid little switch and said, Yeah, you gotta get that fixed. So it's good. But that was just the beginning of we don't even have enough time to talk about the van. But no, there was hundreds of things with that van. Oh, I remember a lot of them. Yeah. Because I was there. Yeah. And you were there. Now, did you uh, put in that uh, auxiliary outdoor speaker? Or no. Or was that already in? That was one of the things that was in. That was as is. You yeah. could buy it, and it had the speaker and the connected speaker already. Yep. Yeah. So you could drive along, pick up the microphone, and it would project your voice like a like a... Yeah, there was a switch. You could either project your voice or you could project your stereo. Oh. So the idea was... To the outside world. Yeah, the idea was you park at the beach, you turn on your stereo... And you have music at the beach. Uh, never understood what the PA system was for. Although we did find some good uses for we it. Did find, we did find some good uses for it. And the one that comes to mind is we were with a group going over to the city once. There was about six of us in the van. And um, you somehow got onto the, onto the microphone and were doing like a tour guide to the people that were outside the van as we drove by. Oh, Pointing out the, the point, spots of Pointing interest. out the so, spots as well as pointing out the people on the street as well. So I think you got your, your jollies with that. But there was another time that um, how this came about, I'm, I'm not really certain. But other than the fact that you and I both worked late nights. And so when we would get off work at, um, this is after we graduated, obviously. But when we get off work at, I don't know, about 11, 1130 we would get together and we'd go have dinner somewhere and do different things. And, and one night we decided to go down to Hayward and um, we were driving through and we drove by, which was one of these places that we knew to be a massage parlor. That's when, yeah, they had all the massage parlors down, downtown. Yeah. And, um, and then we, we, <laughs> we ended up stopping there for whatever reason, I guess we had already eaten. Yep. Probably because we were bored and didn't have any dates. Didn't have any dates, yeah. And so we're sitting there in our van, in my van, that was, I know you thought it was our van, but uh, sitting in the van, and there was a guy that comes out of the massage parlor and gets in his car. So we, we're, we're thinking this guy's probably a married guy that just went and, you know, got himself a little wackadoodle while he's, you know. Yeah. Un, under the, you know. Yeah. The red lights that no one would see. And so then what happened after that? So we thought we would scare him, put a little scare into him. And so we got on the exterior amplified microphone and we said, hey, we see you. We see you coming out of that massage parlor. You know, what What, what have you been doing in there? You know, um, I don't know. Did we pretend we were the vice cops or did we just tell them? No, I think we just said, said that. Yeah. yeah. All right. And it was loud because it was yeah. it was late. It's about twelve thirty, one o'clock. So little in the did we know, and which I believe to this day, he was probably the pimp. Yeah, yeah. He looked like kind of like a big, uh, kind of a like a mafia thug. Yep. And he drove a big Lincoln Town car, mm-hmm. and uh, so it took him no time at all to make a U turn and come after us. And we we realized right then that we we had made a little mistake. A little mistake. <laughs> 
And you who never really drove fast, Mm -mm. you were doing your best to get that thing going, but it wasn't fast enough because this guy was right on us the whole time. Right on us. And, uh, and I remember, um, he kept trying to pull around us to Mm -hmm. cut us off. So I'd tell you, go, you know, pull up, get in front of him, you know, stay in front of him. So you're kind of zigzagging back. And forth as we as we hauled and, ass down the street. I, and I remember you were kind of crouched down in the back. You weren't sitting in the passenger seat per se. Well, I was, yeah, no, I was worried that he was going to unload, you know, a firearm at us. <laughs> Somebody had to Empty be there. Empty his to... clip, yeah. So you were <laughs> sitting upright in the driver's seat. And right. You were more or less the target. But Driving 35 and a 25. If you, re- <laughs> if you remember, I did have a, an, an answer for the problem. Well, if you had just yeah. done what I told you. Do you remember what that was? Well, first I got your little fire extinguisher out of the back, mm-hmm. and I said, "Let's kick open the back doors, and we'll we'll cover his windshield with the fire extinguisher foam." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you weren't really that hot on that idea. No. And then I said, "You know, we're heading down towards the airport. Let's let's lose him out on the tarmac. <laughs> let's go out on the tarmac. On the runway. And we'll lose him. Get on the runways, and we'll we'll see if we can lose him on the runways." And I said, "Okay, what do you think?" <laughs> You think I'm Joe Mannix here? Yeah, you Come say on. you've been watching too much Mannix. <sighs> so then, uh, then we were as we were heading down there. I think we passed the police department. We made a little detour in there, and it kind of well, no, because nope, at nope. one point he cut us off. We went down Winton, and yeah. and then he cut us off. Cut us off before we could get to the airport. Yep. And he and he got out in front of us and and got out of his car. I remember he had a broken arm. Oh, wrapped in a cast and he was pointing and yelling at us. Yeah. And while he's, and I say us because the only person he saw was me Sitting in the driver's straight seat. straight up. Yeah. Rigid in the driver's seat. No, I was right next to you. I was just da- hunkered down just below you. With the microphone. With the microphone. And you were like, get back in the car. Get back, get back in, in the, the car. car before we really get mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was a standoff. And if you have to shoot, shoot, aim high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a standoff. Except. Yeah, that was a standoff, all right. But he did ultimately get in his car and drive away. Off, yeah. But we noted the driver's, uh, the license plate. Yeah. And I saw him many times around town. Yeah, he was, and he was a local for, for sure. He was local. And I even remember uh, a year or so later, I was at a softball game. And I just went down to watch a friend play. And I would come back up to my car. And as I came up, I noticed that black Cadillac parked a few town car yeah a yeah. town car a little a ways away from me right i'm thinking shit that guy's here and so i'm looking around and i'm thinking okay so i just put my key in my hand and this is of course before the days of having a little clicker to open up your car open up the car door got in put the car in the ignition and a knock on my window and it was some woman who was knocking on the window hey my car stalled. can you help me and i just said no way put that thing in reverse and flew out of there because wow. i thought oh it's a setup this guy's trying to get me over there to yeah. thump me and drag you out into the bushes and that would be it which might yeah, have been it, the case Who and knows? it wasn't really like you could say there were too many vans like yours around yeah because they never that changed color never changed and the, that little uh, lightning bolt yeah there also was one other thing on that van that when i got it i ultimately took it off but there was a big cb radio antenna you remember that and it went from the front of the van. It started in the back of the van, was bent over, and came across and clipped onto a clip of the of the front. I, I remember now. I forgot. The, so if you wanted good coverage, you would undo the clip, and then it would stick straight up about 16, 18 feet in the air. 
if you wanted. And I didn't have a CB radio, so it didn't matter, but the, the antenna was there. I remember once I, I went into underground parking and something happened with the clip that broke. And so the antenna is standing straight up as I go into the parking lot. And it was a low ceiling parking lot. And I didn't realize that my antenna was up. But as I drove through the parking lot, I broke every single fluorescent tube that was in the roof behind it. It was like, tink, crush, tink, crush, tink. All behind me, broken glass. Yeah, <laughs> knocking those things out. So then I ultimately took that thing off. I couldn't get out of the parking lot unless I took it off. Now, did did you also have a leaky uh, air vent roof? Sunroof. sunroof. Yeah, it was a sunroof that was put in aftermarket, and it wasn't sealed right. Uh, and I know yeah, that the, remember the that. very first. Because I remember sometimes that uh, that shag carpet smelled a little funky. <laughs> Yeah, there was a there was a uh, a mold issue yeah, happening yeah. on some of it, but it'd probably shut you down nowadays. But yeah, the mold. No, but yeah, I remember when it wouldn't start on days. I would pull the engine cover off on the inside, and then I'd spray this start 'em up spray, which is essentially gasoline. You'd spray into the carburetor, and a little ball of flame would <laughs> burst up about three feet, and it would singe the roof of the uh, of the shag carpeting on the roof above the engine cover but oh god any rate that was that was the van good times now you sold your uh vw for what reason uh because i was gonna get engaged and i didn't want to get engaged in that little shitty vw (laughs) (laughs) so that's enough to make motivate you to yeah Plunk down some money and buy a new car. Because you were working full time. I was working by then, yeah. Yeah. But I I hung on to that Volkswagen for a long time. For a long time. And I actually sold it probably after four or five years for exactly what I had bought it for. No kidding. Yeah, no depreciation. You ever wish you still had it? Oh, yeah. Now, there was something wrong with the seats. There was a recall or something where the seats were were, uh, dislodging and people were flying through the windshields of that of that Probably. era yeah they they were made of like they were like tinker toys so you never had to do any repairs on it like that you just sold it and that might have oh, been yeah. after it i didn't even have uh seat belts you didn't no oh yeah because in those days if it didn't come with seat belts you weren't yeah you weren't uh, beholden in. yeah you weren't beholden to have to wear them Mm-mm. i mean that was that was, it was just an old beat up volkswagen man <laughs> 